And welcome to WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. It is a beautiful, beautiful night. 62 degrees, clear skies, barely any humidity in the atmosphere. And tonight, we are talking about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, a little bit of impact a little bit of new japan a little bit of stardom because we have a slightly less packed show as the previous weeks um we are in the weird uh situation that the tournaments happening at the moment the spring tournaments are not actually doing shows back to back and so i actually didn't like realize how much time uh all japan pro wrestling was taking in between their champion carnival shows and so my schedule was kind of off when i started uh like scheduling what i was going to watch for this episode and so uh we actually have a slightly more time and thus we're gonna have time to preview some stuff coming up uh but we do have shows that i watch uh during the weekend and Let's talk about them. The first show I think we can start with is Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling Still Incomplete. This took this took place on the 17th of April. Uh Koruaken Hall. It actually got a pretty decent um crowd. 500 people at Koruaken Hall right now is pretty decent, uh, especially if you compare it to some of the numbers that for instance uh new japan has been doing for their shows uh this was actually pretty decent but then again it was also like a really really i wouldn't say big show but it was a uh, fairly competently built too and thus we had uh, a good turnout the show was main evented by the princess of princess championship match rika tatsumi the white dragon defeated the cutest wrestler in the world, Maki Ito, in under 20 minutes. This is a match that I've heard a lot of people think that it was just like straight out the best match of both women. I I would say it was the best work rate match of Maki Ito because I mean she has been getting better. But I wouldn't I wouldn't really say that it was like her biggest match. I still think that her matches with Mizuki when the whole um, Makito, the Ito Respect Army thing was going on, th those matches with, with Mizuki were, in my opinion, way more, uh, like, just better, not in work rate, but in the overall presentation and the story. Um, and, and for Rika Tatsumi, like, I wouldn't even say it was the best match of the year. I fought her match with... Uh, her tag team partner, her daydream tag team partner, Miu Watanabe, was better. And the defense, I mean, the title change when it happened against Yuka Sakasaki was also way better. Uh, and even, like, I would actually put some of the daydream versus Bakura Two Sisters matches from last year over this one. But nonetheless, it was a really, really good match. I think it's it, it said a lot about uh, Rika Tatsumi because... 
when she won the title, I think a lot of people were like, oh man, can we really trust uh, Tatsumi as the as the champion to carry, you know, the, the main events of of the shows. And I think she's proving slowly that she's definitely up there with the with Sakasaki's and the Yamashitas. And I think uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling is slowly building a top, uh, just top of the card wrestler in Rika Tatsumi. And, and I think she's doing better. I think her whole presentation right now just screams champion. I like her post-match promos where she just like pours her heart out. They can become overdone. Don't get me wrong. I like there was something about uh, I remember a long time ago in the Fed with Sasha Banks always crying after their matches. And it got to the point where it was like it doesn't feel like as unique anymore. And I and I think Rika Tatsumi can always reach that point where crying after a match doesn't feel like a big deal anymore. It just feels forced. But I think at this point right now, Rika Tatsumi just feels like so good at the main event. And, and that's fantastic. Uh, the match itself saw like it was a combination or, or not a combination. It was a battle of both women's mm, I guess <laughs> biggest weapons <laughs> or, or the weapons that you tend to use a lot it was like a clash of the diamond hip from Rika Tatsumi versus the iron head of uh, Makito and like they kind of worked their their offense in in that clash but they were also working towards their finishers uh, Makito was working le- the the up the like the upper torso I guess uh, because she does tend to use the Boston craft for a finish and and she does a lot of kokeshis and, and diving headbutts and on the other side Rika Tatsumi as I mean she is a student of I mean not a direct student but she's called Tatsumi for a reason and that's because uh, she follows the dragon the dragon school uh, and so she's going for the dragon screws. She's going for the dragon suplexes. Uh, she's working the leg. And so that's how the match was built around. It was really, really good. At the end, uh, Rika Tatsumi won with a top rope missile hip attack, which is, I mean, as I was saying, the diamond hip. It was one of her stronger attacks. And she pinned Makito. And and I think it was good. I, I, I honestly came into this match um slightly worried that Tokyo Joshi was going to put the title on Makito because Makito has started to get noticed because of uh AEW and I wouldn't be surprised if Makito gets booked on AEW uh later down this year I mean we've seen Ryo Mizunami already go back and forward several times Takeshita went and did some dates um so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Makito again there. And because of that, I was kind of worried that Tokyo Joshi was going to put the title on her just so they can get the title on AEW television. But um, thank the the old gods that that didn't happen. Um, it, it they they the good booking and uh, smart booking prevailed. And yeah, and like it's still. I think it's interesting right now for, for Makito's storyline because 
right now Makito's storyline is that once coming back from AW, she said that she has experienced worldwide attention, which was her in a way her goal, her life goal up until when it happened. But now she's like she's focused to use that attention to bring uh Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling to the top echelon of promotions. She wants to be the the person, the wrestler who takes Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling into a sellout Tokyo Dome. And the reason she was challenging for a title is because she thinks it makes sense that in order to do so, she needs to be the champion. And so that's why she was chasing the title. Um, Tatsumi's counter to that was that uh, Makito had lost her edge. Uh, now that Ito is famous, like you're not like you used to hide your insecurities and your lack of attention be behind like this persona of being a badass. But now that you're actually like popular, like where's your persona of badass? Like you lost her edge. You're not the same Makito. And in a way, Tatsumi was right because Makito did not have the killer instinct to win the match uh, and to like. To, to have the heart and, and the zero fucks given attitude to win the title and and that's why she lost. So there was a like an actually a really interesting story coming into this match. Um if you were following Tokyo Joshi prior to to the show. But yeah, and, and after the match, uh, Ito and Tatsumi just kinda like uh it's the usual like thank you for the match and then mutual signs of respect. And Rika Tatsumi called in Miu Yamashita, who actually was uh, out there as a second for Makito. And Rika Tatsumi tells her, like, you know, like, um, I've been, I've been pretty much like defending these titles. I think this is her second uh, defense. Um, and so she says, like, I, I want to be the ultimate champion but I cannot be the ultimate champion of Tokyo Joshi until I defeat you, Miyuji um, Mashita. And so they slapped each other and then they agreed. In my, I, I still don't think this has been confirmed, but I think this has to be the Cyber Fight Fest uh, match. I don't think you can have a bigger match for Cyber Fest uh, than this because, I mean, that's going to be a show that's going to promote Noah, DDT, uh, Gambare, Basara, and Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And from those five promotions that I just mentioned, Tokyo Joshi is, I guess, yeah, it is the third promotion from the top. And so I think they need to have their own title match. I think each promotion is going to have their own title match. Uh, DDT already announced Harashima versus Akiyama, for instance. And so I think Tokyo Joshi should do this match, uh, Miyu Yamashita versus Rikatatsumi. I think you cannot go in any bigger with this unless you do like Sakasaki and Yamashita again, but we've seen that many, many times. I think Rikatatsumi versus Yamashita is the bigger you can do, and then you can have like a match down the line with um, maybe the Sugar Rabbits versus Neo Bishiki Goon versus Makito and uh, insert other wrestler, you know. Uh, but I think this is the match that needs to to happen at Cyberfest. The other 
um, match prior to this one was indeed Neo Bishikigun Sakisama and Mei Saint Michel defeating the Bakuretsu sisters to win the Princess Tag Team Championship. Uh, so, if you followed the the Max Hart Tag Team Tournament, like almost two months ago, I think it started. Uh, Sakisama and Mei Saint Michel won the tournament. They earned the, the the championship shot at the Bakuretsu sisters, and this is when it took place. Uh, I think it was just like. I mean, it's hard to say that it was perfect booking because it was a tournament, but it was just like the perfect process. And like, just see it this way, like Neo Bishikigun debuts, they get some wins, they enter the tournament, they win the tournament, they go and they win the titles. And there's more to this because uh, if you've been following Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling for over the years, you would know that Neo Bishikigun or Bishikigun, as it used to be called, has been always Sakisama and other people. Uh, she she's always have several people in her stable uh, because it, it's like she's the stable <laughs> in a way, and everyone else just kind of like comes in and out. And so, like throughout the years, we had a. Like the original tag team was uh, Sin Bishiki Gun, which is, was uh, Sakisama and Marta. That was like 2017. And then we had um, that time where, uh, what's her face? Uh, Hyper Misao just turned into Misao and she dropped a superhero. And and so it was Sakisama and Misao. But we've seen like Yoshiko Sama and Asusa Christi and Jukio Laurent and so there's been a lot of people coming in and out of the Bishikigun idea but the interesting thing here is that the Bakuretsu sisters have never defeated any of Sakisama's teams like they've they've beaten pretty much every other team in the promotion except whatever Sakisama brings I think this is the third time that they lost to the Asaki Sama team. And so it it's in a way it's uh kind of going to be like some interesting storyline development for the Bakuretsu sisters because uh Denma and Aino have never defeated them. And obviously it's a big deal for Nobishikigun. This is Mace Meisuruga's first championship at Tokyo Joshi. You cannot ask for a better debut and push for Mei Suruga, uh, other than like straight up de debuting as Sakisama's tag team, because Sami Sakisama may not be the best wrestler in Tokyo Joshi, but she is a one of a kind wrestler in Japan right now. I would say like there's not many women out there like her, um, and so. I mean, it's just fantastic for May, and now she's she's the the tag team champion. Uh, given the type of of team that Neobishiki Gun is, like you're going to see May carrying around both the championships, and she's the one, she's the work rate person in that team. If you see this match, um, May Suruga wrestled probably eighty percent of the match. She is just an explosion of energy. And 
yeah, like she's going to carry the, this team into some pretty good defenses, hopefully. Uh, I would imagine that they're going to keep the title for a while. I do not expect to see... Uh, like, if I had to anticipate, I guess, at this point, I'm guessing they may rebuild the Magical Sugar Rabbits uh, for later down the line, maybe win the titles around... Uh, no, maybe like November. Um, but until then, I think May and Sakisama are just going to have a pretty good run. They already have their first challengers in the team of B-Star, being uh, Mirai, Mayumi, and Susume, uh, who actually won their match late, uh, earlier in the night. And we'll get to that one. Uh, but yeah, so it's going to be Mirai and Suzume. I am incredibly happy for Mirai and Suzume to be challenging. They're going to lose, but I think they're a fantastic team. Like, they're they're really young as a team. Um, they haven't been, like, tag teaming for that long. Uh, they, I mean, they started last year, but they haven't really developed much as a team. And so I think, uh, I think this is the start of a beautiful partnership i i love mirai i think she's so unique in the promotion and susume is just like super talented and so i think that's that's going to lead to a pretty good um match again it's going to be a match where may is going to have to wrestle probably most of it because i do not expect sakisama to mesh good with either maui uh, mirai and suzume but we'll see how it turns out uh, so yeah, pretty good match. Uh, so far, like title matches were pretty good. X and I guess except for this one, <laughs> uh, the international princess championship match. Juki Kamifuku, the champion, defeating now Kakuta or Kakuta. Um, this this really wasn't that good. The this the feud like revolved around respect. Uh, Kamifuku. Or uh, Kamiyu uh, is calling like Kakuta like a normal, just like your average, you know. But she's mostly like just basing her her argument on looks and personality. Kakuta on the, like as a counter, she says like, dude, like I respect how glamorous you are, how fashionable, but like none of that shit matters when we're inside the ring. And so it was like a, a something about mutual respect when where. Kamiyu is trying to get uh, Kakuta's in-ring respect and vice versa. Kakuta's trying to earn uh, Kamiyu's respect that she's not just a normal chick. But the match was indeed a struggle. Uh, Kamiyu was not the best in this match. I mean, she really is. She's not, I mean, she's just like not the best. Uh, the match did kind of pick up towards the end. I've kind of started to notice that Kamifuku is a type of wrestler that she needs a, a certain pace in her matches for her to not look awkward or or for her selling to look better. And that tends to be towards the end where she starts doing like stuff like the octopus stretch or she starts doing the fame acer. Uh, because those moves... Are, they look good when you're uh, a person that looks like Amifuku. She's tall, she's slim, like really long legs. And so 
it's those type of moves that look good for someone like her. Unfortunately, those are type of moves that you don't just like pull them off at the start of the match. And so sometimes it does take a while for Kamifuku to just like get to those positions. I think she like if she wants to keep on wrestling, she's going to get better and she may like she can develop similar styles like a uh, sack saver, not probably not go full technician, but like she can do certain things like sack saver and look better. Um, mostly just in terms of building the match up to the point where you can start doing your, your octopus stretches and your fame acers. So, but yeah, like this match wasn't just like, it just wasn't like that great. Um, I gave it like a one and a half star. But uh, at the end, Kamifuku won. She won with a Fame Acer, um, which is her final, her final, her signature move. And yeah, that was it. And the rest of the matches were mostly just um, your usual. Well, okay, <laughs> they were your usual like top of the card matches, like their your openers. But uh, we actually had some pretty awesome stuff <laughs> uh arguably the match of the night happened here but before we get to that one uh we did have a tornado attack rules match with the magical sugar rabbits yuka sakasaki and misuki versus choko nakajima and hyper misao versus the b-star team of mirai maomi and susume as i mentioned the the team of b-star won the match um this match like my my only i think uh comment for this match was that they didn't really use the tornado attack rule that much uh they actually this could have been relevos australianos and i think that would have been better uh to keep the momentum going because they at least up until the end they hadn't really taken advantage of the tornado attack rule um nonetheless the match was really really fun really really good it's always a treat to see sakasaki and Mizuki team uh, Choco Nakajima is awesome. Hyper Misao is incredibly funny. And like I said, I'm, I'm super high on Mirai and Suzume. So it was just like six uh, women that I really, really enjoy watching in this promotion going at it. So I, I you can't really ask for anything else. Um, and yeah, so pretty good match. Prior, to, uh, and actually, they didn't really say, but it was this match that gave Beastar the. Uh, I guess the argument to go and challenge Bishikikun. So I I think wh whoever would have won this match was going to challenge the winner of the Princess Tag match regardless. Okay, prior to that, we had um, arguably the match of the night. It was my favorite match of the night. Not I, I, I didn't uh, rate it higher than Tatsumi versus Ito, but it was my favorite match of the night. And that was Miyu Yamashita versus Hikari Noah in a freaking great match. Yamashita's a striker. And so Noah, Hikari Noah, is also a mission. And they just like went at each other. Um, like Hikari Noah worked over Miyu Yamashita's legs or her feet just to like one, to take her down and to not let her uh, really get a good standing to land the kick. And also to just straight up take out the legs so she cannot kick. Uh, but as soon as Yamashita got herself an opening, she took down Noah and she showed that she could play with submissions too. Uh, there was a there was a really cool. I think it was like a Fujiwara modification 
really similar to the sack saver submission where he like scissors the arms or similar to the Diana Parasso's uh, Venus the Milo uh, but it was like slightly modification to those and as the match went on like just Jamashita kind of just like recovered more and more and at the end she landed like a hell of a kick uh, just an amazing amazing kick and and that was it you know and this it didn't go that long i think this was only like under 10 minutes like maybe nine and a half but it was just like straight up fantastic wrestling non-stop hikari noah looked fantastic um hikari noah reminds like i think she's she reminds me of i don't know like who can i say like she's a, a wrestler that's really good already uh, in ring wise uh, but her look still screams uh, up, up girl or like a you know opener match attire. She, I think she needs to like do little tweaks to her look just to look different from you know like a lot of the 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 wrestlers that open the shows. But I think man, like Kelly Noah, like at this point she can start starting to push for source the main events. Uh, like I wouldn't mind a Hikari Noah versus Rika Tatsumi match in a lesser show um, because I think they could have like a really good match and, and yeah like Jamashita and Noah here just were fantastic like I said this was my favorite match it wasn't the match of the night um, work rate wise but it was definitely my favorite and the other two matches that we had were just your usual openers. Uh, Marika Kobashi and Sina Shiori defeated Arisuendo and Moka Miyamoto in the opener. Uh, really nothing to this match. Uh, Sina Shiori uh, unfortunately announced her retirement. Well, yeah, I, I think it's a retirement. Um, like they call it graduation, but uh, she seems to have some health issues that she's going to leave wrestling and to try and work out she, she's super young so hopefully she gets those uh issues worked out and she can come back and she actually retired by like after she got her very first win in the promotion and i think i guess her whole career uh because in this match uh marika kawashi was the only wrestler who had uh, win by herself like I mean they've all gotten wins one way or another but like like Shiori Miyamoto or Endo none of them had wins by their own action and so Sina Shiori got the win here so it was really really good um, for her she debuted in January 2020 I was actually at her debut show and so it took her this long to get her first win. And as soon as she got it, she retired. So it's a sad story, but hopefully I think there's a there's a a light at the end of that tunnel because I think she's young and she can totally return. And and she's really talented. So um there's there's a lot of potential with her. So hopefully she she gets better and she can kinda of come back. And the other match, um and the openers were Miyu Watanabe, Raku, and Pom Harajuku versus Yuna Manase, Mahiro Kiru, and Haruna, Haruna Neko. And I wasn't really a big fan of this match. <laughs> uh, 
uh, Watanabe and Juna Manase aside, I'm not a big fan of Raku or Harajuku or Kiryu or Neko. Actually, I'm a big fan of Kiryu, but uh, it depends on what what part of the card she's working. Uh, sometimes she's not like super exciting, but Harajuku, Raku, and Neko for sure. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, like Harajuku is someone who. I think she needs to work on her, like she does a lot of moves that look really good, and when she's fighting someone who like can take the moves, they look really good. But Harajuku's all presentation and just like when she's not really working with someone strong, just look bad. Uh, Neko and Raku, I just I, I they're not my they're not for me. I don't get them. Uh, I mean Neko is like a cat Lolita. And Raku's a sleepy Lolita, and they're just like not the thing that I, I care for. It's not even the type of comedy that I care for. It's way too kawaii for me, and uh, I'm I'm not a kawaii ga kirai this. And so, to me, this match was just all about watching Watanabe and Manasa go at it. That was like, like at the end of the match, I was like, I want to see Watanabe and Manasa go at it one by one, like one on one. With a good amount of time and and just let them do their thing because i really really like new watanabe and yuna manase is like incredibly solid she's a great great uh veteran i guess and uh yeah but uh yeah like a really nothing match the these two matches and i think that was it uh a quick announcement from tokyo joshi was that the tokyo princess cup is coming back i think it starts in july ends on august which is about the time uh juki Arai, the new idol from ske 48 i don't know <laughs> what's the proper name for that uh she signed with tokyo joshi last week I, and she's making her in-ring debut at the may 4th show um i think may 4th is also where we're going to be getting the b star versus bishiki gun match um i think so and yeah that was a uh, pretty solid show um i i hadn't been like i haven't hadn't been watching a lot of tokyo joshi pro wrestling prior to the show i would like come in and out for like a couple of matches but not fully watching the whole show or i was just like checking out the promo stuff like that but uh this was really good uh, i really enjoyed it definitely like muja matching hikari noah and the main event are matches worth going out of your way to watch uh, Bakura to Sisters Bishikigun, I, I would recommend it uh, because Mei Suruga is just fantastic. She is like, I think Mei could and should potentially win Rookie of the Year uh, now that she's like in a bigger promotion. Um, and yeah, like uh, definitely a good show to check out. The other shows that I watched this weekend were the All Japan Pro Wrestling Champion Carnival. Uh, we had day four on the 17th and we had day five on the 18th. And then they're taking a break uh, for a couple of days. I think the next show is all the way to the 24th, I think. Um, and this is what I'm saying. Like they have just like such a weird uh, calendars this year they like they're taking really really long uh 
like time between shows like in previous years it was just similar to the to the g1 climax in the sense that you know they they you try to have like a show pretty much every every day but uh in this case all japan it's really really like spacing them out um and i like i i I don't dislike it you know it gives me time to rest it gives me time to watch other stuff like when i was when we were watching the the new japan cup it was so hard to get anything else in and like right now i get to watch like one or two champion carnival shows and then i can watch other stuff so uh i do like that aspect of this calendar uh the only bad thing and this this actually like really came up at the day five show is that they're running so much filler matches in their shows like they're only doing four champion carnival matches now per show but then they have eight match cards and so like the rest are just fillers it's the same match that we're watching over and over and over again and it just gets tiresome but uh i guess let's quickly go over the results of day four um in the openers, we had Evolution, the team of Dan Tamura and Hikaru Sato, uh, team up with Black Mensa Ray to defeat Alejandro Isanagi and Koji Iwamoto. We had Ryuki Honda and Joshi Tatsu defeat Akira Francesco, Francesco and Suji Shikawa. And then we had uh, the team of Total Eclipse, the Hokuto Omori, Kuma Arashi, and Tajiri defeat the next stream team of Atsuki Aoyagi, Kento Miyahara, and Rising Hayato. And just to give you an idea of how repetitive things are, in the next day, we had uh, Total Eclipse, Omori, Arashi, and Tajiri defeat the team of Dantamura, Hikaru Sato, and Suwama. And we had Black Mensa Red, Koji Wamato, and Takuroniki defeat the team of Aoyagi, Hayato, and Akira Francesco. So it's the same guys. Like, it's the same. Kind of like 10 guys just like doing the same matches over and over again. And so they get pretty repetitive. Like we've seen Hokuto Mori wins, like I think most of his matches by cheating. And so it, I don't know. It's just like they're not bad matches, but you see them every day, and you're like, okay, I mean, cool. But can we get to the card now? <laughs> can we get to the champion carnival? Uh, so I I think this may just kind of be coming off. Uh, like G1 Climax last year, they stopped doing the tag matches and instead we're, we're just like mostly straight into the, the tournament matches. And it was like so much easier to watch, uh, so much fun to watch because like sometimes, especially again in the 18th, we had four matches before we got into the champion Granova matches. And by the time uh, Kento Miyahara and Koji Doi got in there for the first carnival match, I was already tired. I was already like, can we get already like to it? And so that's not like the feeling you want uh, when you have to watch a lot of tournament round robin matches. But anyway, into the actual matches of day four. Uh, we have Kohei Sato defeat Chotaro Ashino. And oh boy, do I dislike Kohei Sato. He is, in my opinion, incredibly boring i hate his look 
I hate his energy. He he drains like the life force out of me. Uh, I really really dislike Sato, <laughs> and and he defeated Ashino. Uh, Suwama defeated Koji Doi by referee's decision. Uh, Jake Lee defeated Shinhiro Otani in what probably was one of the better matches of the night. And in the main event, Yuma Aoyagi defeated Suus in definitely the match of the night. Uh, like, like another, I guess, <laughs> complaint that I could have is like, we have those matches that I was saying like in the openers, but then you have Suwama versus Koji Doi only going for less than seven minutes. You have like uh, Jake Lee and Otani only going for 10. So I'm like, uh, we could probably cut off like, you know, we don't need to be watching Evolution and Black Men's Array every week, every day. Uh, and give those six, seven minutes to, you know, like spread them out around the, the, the main card matches. But uh, yeah, so like that's the that was the show on the 17th. On the 18th, um, the, the openers were Isanagi defeated Ruki Honda under seven minutes. Black Mensore, Koji Wamoto, and Takuru Niki. Takuru Niki. Man, that's a hard name to say. Takuru Niki. Uh, defeated the team of Aoyagi, Rising Hayato, and Akira Francesco under nine minutes. This match I actually enjoy because I think Aoyagi, Hayato, and Francesco as a team are like, they remind me of like X Division Triple uh, X. They remind me of like super old school Dragon Gate teams. Like, I really enjoy that team together. I wish they could get themselves booked for like a Battle of Los Angeles type of show where they would just like tear the, the roof off. Uh, we had Total Eclipse, Hokuto, Mori, Kuma, Arashi, and Tajiri defeat, Dantamura, Hikaru, Sato, and Suwama. And then we had like, uh, oh my god, I hated this. This was fucking shit. Joshitatsu defeated Takatoshi Matsumoto in a different martial arts fight. What this is, it's a shoot style. It's a quote-unquote, quote-unquote, shoot style fight. Uh, Joshitatsu, like, came out wearing just, like, black trunks, like, nothing else. Uh, and Tako Takatoshi Matsumoto, he is, he's always been, like, a shoot style type of guy. I think he does have uh, two MMA matches. But I think those MMA matches happened before he got into wrestling. Um, I think so. But I mean, that's it. Like he, he's. I think he's a judoka. But like uh, the match was just like boring. It was rounds. They went to the round three. So obviously that that means that you you do the round and then you have to wait for the round to start. So even more wasted time. Uh, Joshitatsu is not exciting. Uh, and Takatoshi Matsumoto. I mean. He's a good fighter, but he's also not incredibly exciting against a guy like Joshitatsu. And at the end, Joshitatsu won by like suplexing the guy over and over. So uh, I, I dreaded this part. And like having this match here, I mean, one, it felt like unnecessary filler. This could have been time given to any of the matches of the carnival. Two, it feels weird to have singles matches during a carnival because it's like Joshitatsu if you're winning this matches or anything like why are you not in the carnival um so it just feels weird having singles matches uh 
in the same cards as the carnival and i mean it was just a boring match like at this point like when this match was going on i wasn't even feeling like watching the carnival matches anymore because i was just like so bored of watching joshitatsu in this match and so i think that really really hurt the this specific uh show uh Going into the carnival, Kento Miyahara defeated Koji Doi. Pretty good match. Shinjiro Tani defeated Chuchichikawa in a pretty good match. Uh, Kohei Sato defeated Zeus in a decent match, but Sato like stole my life force. And so I think I may have uh, fallen asleep and then woke up and watched Aoyagi defeat Jake Lee in a really, really good match. Aoyagi versus Jake Lee was probably one of my favorite matches uh at least from these two shows it was my favorite match but it was i, I really really enjoy aoyagi versus jake lee i got the feeling that aoyagi may be going to the finals um like everything seems to be pointing to shotaro ashino and jake lee at the finals i think that's what i most people probably want i started to get the feeling that it's going to be aoyagi versus jake lee at the finals and jake lee wins and then he can take the title from Suwama and then Ashino can go after Jake Lee. But uh, Aojaki's just starting to give me the feelings that he's going to make it to the finals this year. And yeah, th this was a, a pretty good match, good story. Like the story was that uh, it was like your your brutal ba your brutal heel versus the never give up baby face. And then when everything feels like it's over for the baby face, the heel gets cocky. He allows the baby face to recover and the baby face gets him with a guillotine in this case and taps him out. So a pretty solid basic story uh, between a heel and a baby face. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, but yeah, that was the champion carnival. Uh, like I said, I think the next show is taking place. Um, I think it's the 24th. I think so. <laughs> uh, don't call me on that. But there, there's a there's probably a calendar out there. I just don't have it in front of me. Um, but I do think it's the 24th. We still have a couple of shows left. I think we have like four shows left. Or Yeah, I think it's like three in the finals or either four in the finals. Uh, depends on how they... Because some wrestlers still have four matches to go but they're only doing four matches a show so that means that some wrestlers still gotta like rest a day but so yeah like between four or five uh shows left and i don't know uh like it's been an okay tournament i don't like it's been better than last year but uh yeah i guess it's been better than last year but none of the matches this year have been as as epic of some of the matches that we had on 2019 um because 2019 is like when we got like that okawayashi versus dylan james like slugfest for 30 minutes and we haven't seen anything that's like really noteworthy this year uh, and we i mean we already did stuff like Miyahara and Ashino and we already did Zeus versus Miyahara and so I think we're slowly going to start to realize that the the good matches left are not many and it's going to be sad 
but uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll continue watching the carnival, especially like this, like when you have some time to rest between the shows. And those were only the, the shows that I got to watch. Uh, like I said, I was expecting to watch more Carnival, but I didn't realize there was going to be like so little uh, shows in between uh, episodes of the podcast. But we do have a couple of things that we can talk about right now. One is that we have the lineup for the next stage of the Stardom Cinderella Tournament. The show is not taking place until the 30th, which is uh, pretty much a, a week from Friday. So we could, I mean, if, if not previewing right now, we could have previewed it next week, but we can do it right now really quick. Um, the next the next matches that we have is Utami Hayashishita versus Suri, and the winner is going to face Unagi Sayaka, who got a bye. So I... This one's interesting. Obviously, I think Suri is going to challenge Hayashishita for the championship at one point. And so I'm expecting Suri to win this one so she can get the win over Hayashishita. And then probably Suri is going to defeat Sayaka. I do not expect Sayaka to go further than this. Uh, we have Julia versus Micah. I expect Julia to win. Uh, this is like the combination that I didn't want to see because. <laughs> I want both women to go further, but I'm expecting Julia. And if that is the case, we are eventually going to get Suri versus Julia, which should be great. Uh, and in that one, actually, I also expect Suri to win. I, I'm actually, Suri, as the people who are left, I think Suri is going to win the whole thing. I think she is going to wear the dress at the end. On the other side of the tournament, we have Mayu Watani versus Rina. And the winner faces Himeka. So I'm expecting probably Watani to win. And then she faces Himeka, who she probably also defeats. Um, at this point, like Himeka is similar to Siaka. Like I I think they're as far as they were they were gonna get anyway. Rina is definitely as far as anyone expected her to win. <laughs> and the other match is Starlight Kid versus Saya Kamitami. This one can let like really just go either way. I think uh, both are strong contenders to face off with Iwatani. But given that it is Iwatani, we actually may get Kamitami versus Iwatani uh, to do a Stars versus Queen Quest type of deal. And then uh, at the end, we would probably get, um, I think, either Kamitami or Iwatani versus Suri. Uh, because, yeah, I, don't, I really don't expect Julia to defeat Suri if they face off. But yeah, we, we can talk about this more like closer to it next week if there's any developments happening in the world of stardom. And the other only note that I have in terms of Japanese wrestling is that it has been announced that the Saxe Jr. versus Tangaloa match from Wrestling Dontaku is now going to be a technically a number one contenders match uh, for the tag team titles <laughs> so a singles match is going to lead to a tag title uh, match which uh, sure I mean why not <laughs> but yeah that is it for Japanese wrestling this week um, but that is not it for this show though because we do have a really big and historic impact wrestling forecast that we need to talk about 
So not only do we have Impact Wrestling this Thursday, but we also have the big, big pay-per-view rebellion taking place on the weekend, um, to be precise, on the 25th. And so we, I am going to like really, really run down everything that's going on right now with Impact. Um, just quickly, for Thursday... Uh, we have Eric Young versus the Eddie Edwards. <laughs> and I say the Eddie Edwards because I, I read the, his uh, his Twitter. Uh, we have Kira Hogan versus Jordan Grace. We have Tennille Dashwood versus Suzanne. And we have the Good Brothers versus Decay. At this point, all of these matches are just building up to what's going to happen at Rebellion. This is the go-home show. Um, and so... Let's just actually go into Rebellion. I think that's the thing that uh, we need to mostly focus on. Uh, as a go-home show, the cards, the it looks really good. Like, Eddie Edwards versus uh, Eric Young looks strong. Hogan versus Jordan Grace um, looks strong. Tennille versus Susan should be okay. And the Good Brothers versus DK could be really interesting. Uh, just Torres versus Carl Anderson, I don't know, like, that sounds interesting to watch. But Rebellion, Rebellion, the big, big pay-per-view, a historic pay-per-view where we are going to see Omega, the AW champion versus Rich Swan, the Impact World Champion, collide in a title versus title match. After tonight, we are going to have a, I mean, it's a double champion. In the case of Kenny Omega, he'd be a triple champion. Um... But yeah, like it's it's a big pay-per-view. It's like both Impact and AW seem to be putting a lot of coins into this show. And we're going to talk about that because I don't know if uh, you had the chance to watch Impact last week. The big uh, conference, the press conference with Kenny Omega and Rich Swan. It was a really big thing. They gave us like a really short version on the show. But if you go to, I think they just put it on on YouTube. To see the whole thing, it's a huge thing. Uh, Kenny Omega's fantastic, Don Callis is fantastic, Rich Swan and Scott Moore play their part. Tony Khan is there, um, Jerry Lynn was there, and like, uh, on a quick side note, do you remember that Jerry Lynn once helped Private Party defeat James Storm and Chris Saban, like, as an order from Tony Khan? Don't forget that because I don't think it's going to happen, but I also wouldn't be surprised if in the match at Rebellion, uh, that is like, I hope that's not what they're going to do, but like he could at any point interfere at the command of Tony Khan because obviously Tony Khan is not going to want Kenny Omega to, to lose uh, and he's not going to want to his championship to go to Impact. So remember that. Remember Jerry Lynn. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the, the, the press conference was really strong. They had a, a bunch of uh, people sending questions and videos. Uh, a lot of people from MMA and, and wrestling. And so let's really, really quickly run down the card and a little bit of everything for Rebellion. As we said, the main event is Rich Swan, the Impact Champion, versus Kenny Omega, the AW Champion, in a title versus title match. And the winner, and as 
said by Tony Khan and Scott Demore, there will be a winner, uh, will be a double champion, and they're going to have to work both promotions. Impact uh, has done a really, really good job at building this match. Like, AEW hasn't done shit to build this match. It's been all Impact. And they've done a really, really good job at building more than anything to build Rich Swan to seem like someone that can defeat Kenny Omega. Um, he he doesn't have a straight win on Omega, but when Swan teamed up with Eddie Edwards and Willie Mack to take on Omega and the, and the Good Brothers, Swan got the win. And so there's this idea that as much as Don Callis and Omega tried to get in Swan's head, they they failed to do so. And so Swan is coming in like I wouldn't say stronger than Omega because like Omega is definitely like on another tier, another echelon. But Swan is not coming in as just a joke. He is looking really strong. Uh, I do not expect uh, Swan to win. I'm sure Omega is going to win. And that's how it should be really like Omega should win. And if you ask me, like, I think Eddie Edwards or Moose, who has actually been gone since he lost that match, could at any point come back and be the saviors and get the title back from Omega when Omega is ready to drop it. Um, it's going to be hard to see when Omega finally drops the title because I can't imagine AEW is going to want Omega to lose a title like a match before he loses the AW championship. And so it will be weird to see how it happens. Um, I mean, I'm guessing it's the same situation with AAA and the AAA championship. So we'll see where it goes. But I do expect Omega to win and he's just going to take the title. And hopefully, uh, I mean, he's going to have to wrestle more on, on Impact, I think. And maybe, maybe, just maybe uh, AW will... I don't know. We'll see how AEW does like manage this thing because I do have to reference it. I would imagine. Uh, in an Impact World Tag Team Championship match, we have the team of Finn Juice currently in Japan, probably already in the US. <laughs> um, David Finley and Juice Robinson defending against the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. This match, honestly, it could go either way. It really depends on how much more... Um, is Finn Juice going to work with Impact? Like right now, they had a pretty good deal. They came in, did tapings, won the titles, and then went back to Japan. Didn't do shit during the month, and now they're coming back just to defend them. Um, so it's a pretty good deal for them, but I don't know if uh, Impact wants to have that, you know, like champions that are not here to, to build the matches or to work the you know, your hardcore justices type of shows. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the Good Brothers uh, regain the championships here. Because um, we could see a quote-unquote Bullet Club dominance in this show between Omega and the Good Brothers. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they the Finn Juice keeps the titles and they uh, defend them. Like, I would imagine Finn Juice may be going back to Japan for the Grand Slam shows, uh, the the... Yokohama, Osaka, and, and Tokyo Dome tour, and soon after the they're probably going to start announcing dates for for the G One. I don't know, um, but I, I think there's a chance like they can retain the championships for sure. 
I, I'm if if we're doing pickems, I'm going for the Good Brothers just for the idea that they can bring the titles back and work and use them in the promotion. Um, so we'll see. And a knockouts impact knockouts championship match: Diana Parasso, the virtuosa, defends against Tennille Dashwood, and it's all about her. Uh, this is a really weird mix because Dashwood won the the number one contendership match just two weeks prior to this match happening so there's really no build uh, there's no baby face because both Dashwood and Purasa are heels the only build we're going to see is that Dashwood and Susan match on the go home show so I it's really really interesting that they're doing this match on, and how they did it uh all things considered, I don't know why they decided to do the title versus career match at Hardcore Justice when it just perfectly could have been at Rebellion. It would have been huge to retire Jazz at Rebellion. Uh, that would have been a really, really strong win for Parasso at Rebellion. And and yeah, I, unless they really, I don't know, like they have a plan for Parasso and Dashwood, like, Arguably, those two may be your bigger, biggest names in the promotion when it comes to women. Uh, so we'll see. We also have that uh, glooming cloud called Taylor Wilde. We know she's coming back. I'm guessing she comes back at Rebellion. Does she come back and challenge whoever wins of Parasa and Dashwood? I, again, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't even be surprised if she gets added to the match. I hope not. I hope we just get Parasa versus Dashwood. Um... But this is going to be really interesting. This one, I, f I have to imagine Parasa wins. But Tennille Dashwood is so random that I also wouldn't be surprised if that if uh, Tennille wins. It's so it's such a weird match at this point because there really is no story there. Uh, the match with, that does have a lot of story there is the Impact X Division Championship. I think this match is like. Omega versus Swan is going to be just incredible. I think Impact has a chance of getting a five star if they give these guys time and they let Omega and Swan book the match. But the other potential show stealer is going to be Ace Austin versus Josh Alexander versus TJP for the X title. If you watched last week, Josh Alexander and TJP was a fantastic, fantastic match. Just fantastic wrestling and at ace austin who is like just incredible i think there's a chance that this match if given time can be a show stealer like th this match what they're trying to do with these guys ace alexander tjp and chris bay if he comes back is really similar to what uh joe daniels styles and chris Saban had back in the day like not not at their level and the storyline is not at their level but like right now what impact is doing is they they have picked four guys that are just incredible and that any combination they do like yield fantastic matches and now that we're gonna have a three-way with them and i think these guys have the chance to steal the show uh and that's saying something because the main event is swan versus omega uh, this is not a match that you need to sleep on. Ace Austin versus Alexander versus TJP. This one's, if, again, if given time, 
this one can be huge. I would imagine Ace Austin re uh, retains. Just the fact that it's a three-way gives the opportunity to do anything. Alexander pinned TJP on last Thursday, so we may see Alexander drop the fall. Uh, or maybe Alexander just wins, uh, which I would probably... I, I'd rather have Alexander chase right now and... Yeah, I think I'd rather have Alexander Chase. But yeah, I, I'm going for Ace Austin. Uh, he's a fantastic champion, so I wouldn't change it. We have a singles match. I think it's just singles. Uh, Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers. These two have been like kind of like indirectly feuding for a couple of months now through, you know, the Eddie Edwards and Hernandez and all that stuff thing. And so it's come down to Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers. Uh, I think this is... I think these guys are booking the feud that they wish they had the power to book on the fed and so they're just doing it and i think it's good uh i mean i don't remember ever seeing them wrestle or i mean they probably did but i just don't remember uh so i mean good for them they they got their match uh we have a last man standing match with trey miguel and sammy callahan uh the heat is here but I'm kind of surprised that they got a last man standing um, stipulation. I don't, don't think it makes much sense. I think this just should have been a one-on-one -on -one match, really. Uh, I don't think they really needed to go hardcore just yet. I think you can milk that for your later uh, Impact Plus specials. Because uh, I think, actually, like if you want to give Kenny Omega a night off at an Impact Plus special, you can totally main event with Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan in a weapons match. So I'm kind of surprised they're going for the last man standing here. But yeah, like the story there, uh, Callahan tried to recruit Miguel. Miguel rejected him. And so Callahan is going to beat the shit out of this kid. And I, I think it'll be okay. Um, it's, I don't know. It, I think it's going to be really similar to when Rich Swan battled Sammy Callahan. So there's potential. But then again, Miguel is not Rich Swan. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. I think I think it should be okay. The last man standing stipulation is kind of weird because it forces for someone to lose in a really interesting way uh, or like a different way. And I'm not a big fan of last man standing matches. I think they're incredibly boring. Just the fact that you need to stop the match for for the referee to count to 10 and then you you get up at 9 and so like ugh, okay start again so anyway we'll see how it goes uh, we have a 4 on 4 8 man tag team match Chris Saban, Eddie Edwards James Storm and Willie Mack versus Byland by the sign the team of Eric Young, Diener, Joe Doring and Rhino uh, what can I say I guess I would rather have Jake something than Willie Mack but at the same time it's good that Jake something's out of this feud. Because uh, he he always ended up just being like the pin guy. So I, I, I think it's better to get him out. Uh, but I think there's a uh, big potential here. I think there's combinations that could be really interesting. Obviously, uh, former uh, Triple Crown champion Joe Doring versus former GHC champion Eddie Edwards could be interesting. Uh, Chris Saban versus you know any of those guys versus eric young could be fun james storm versus doring or young is good uh 
Willie Mack versus Doring versus Rhino could be fun. So I don't know. There's a lot of uh, like good combinations. Um, I don't think this is a weapons match. I like. It doesn't say that it's an elimination match. I think it should make it an elimination. I am expecting this feud actually to make it to. I don't know if they're gonna do lockdown. I think they're gonna do lockdown eventually, and I think this should be a full metal. Um, no, it's not full metal. It's lethal lockdown match. I think that's where it should build up to, and so hopefully it does. And I, I am guessing Byland by the sign wins, uh, by pinning Willie Mack. I or yeah, I. This one, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like I think Byland by the sign should win. Should get the win here, and then if they do lethal lockdown, then the good guys can win. And finally, the other only other match that's announced at this point is for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship. Fire and Flava, Kira Hogan, and Tasha Steels defend against the team of Jordan Grace and a mystery uh, partner. The mystery partner is going to be handpicked by Jazz, who was offered the, the spot, but Jazz said, no, dude, I retired and I'm sticking to it. I'm going to respect Diana Parasso, who defeated me. And so Jazz is picking a teammate for Jordan Grace. This can be either really cool, really eh. Like, obviously, you have Taylor Wilde out there. Could, could at any point just be Jordan Grace's uh, partner. It could be ODB, which would be uneventful, underwhelming. Or Jazz can straight up pick, like, a really, really strong, you know, indie woman out there there's a lot could be that could join impact right now and so this is one of those where like a debut can be like incredibly underwhelming or incredibly awesome uh the good thing is that they're not really building anything like they're not building like the big debut of a hall of famer worthy uh, uh person you know it's just like jazz is going to have picked someone and she can have pick a lot of people, so we'll see. Uh, and I, this one's hard to call because unless we, unless I see who the tag team partner is, it's really hard to say that they're going to defeat Fire and Flavor. They're on a roll, so I, it's. I have to imagine at this point, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if Impact picks up the Iconics and they defeat Fire and Flavor. I, as soon as the news came out on Thursday, uh, last Thursday that they were being released, I, if I was Scott Demore, I'd be like, you know what? Uh, unless I have like, unless the mystery partner is a big deal, I would be like, you know what? Let's keep the titles on Fire and Flavor, and let's 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 bring in the Iconics. But that is what we have right now when it comes to Rebellion. I wouldn't be surprised if they add a couple or more matches, maybe. Maybe not for the main card, but maybe like a pre-show match or two uh, with, I don't know, DK and Triple XL maybe. Or because um, like, for instance, Rosemary and DK is not in there. Triple um, XL, I don't know, maybe. But the, yeah, there's I think there's still space for one more match uh, as a pre-show match. So we'll see where, where, where I they go with it but so far i think this is just a solid card i don't think they should add anything else to this card 
especially because I want Kenny Omega and Rich Swan to have at least 30 minutes uh, at their disposal. Uh, and likewise, I think Alexander TJP and Austin should have also about 15 minutes minimum to do their thing. But uh, yeah, that's it for Rebellion and Impact. Um, we're obviously going to come back next week with everything Impact. And so until next week, uh, you know, go go watch Impact. We'll go watch Rebellion. I think this is going to be a really historic night. And that is going to make it for this week's uh, episode of WRPX, your wrestling revolution podcast. Um, go to, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes. Go there, leave a, a like, a review, subscribe. Uh, everything helps get the, the podcast in more places. And also you can go to DW Revolution on Twitter where you can find me and share posts with me and vice versa. You can share the, the podcast through there. You can go to DWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find the written versions of all the shows that we talked about. If you want to hear, if you want to read my thoughts on Kohei Sato, then go to DWrestlingRevolution.com <laughs> and read them there. Uh, for everything impact, you can go to figure four W online, uh, where I do the weekly live, uh, results there. And I think that's it. You can go, obviously go to wrpxpodcast.com and, and find us there. And you can go to WRPX podcast on Instagram also where that we just barely opened. And so that is it for plugs this week. Uh, we will see you next week talking more all Japan Pro Wrestling, talking impact, and whatever else comes up. But until then, have a pleasant day, have a pleasant night, have a pleasant week. Sayonara Tomodashi. Adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.